I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Hello and welcome to the Stompcast with me, Dr. Alex George. This is the podcast where I go for a walk with a guest to take a little wander into their life. Just want to remind everyone before we start, please do follow, rate and review the Stompcast, whether that's on Spotify or Apple, it really does help new listeners find the podcast. And if you found it helpful, I hope other people will too. And if you love the Stompcast as much as we do, do remember to subscribe to Behind the Stomp on Apple Podcasts for exclusive episodes and early access at $3.99 per month. This week on Behind the Stomp, we all get absolutely soaked. We learn about post-traumatic growth and also reflect on how we can support other people who are going through grief. So if you haven't already, please do hit subscribe on Apple Podcasts and support us. Keep making the episodes that we love. If you aren't subscribed to BTS on Apple Podcasts, you'll now get part one on Monday, part two on Tuesday and part three on Wednesday. This week, my guest is Stacey Heal. Stacey is a writer, speaker and campaigner who's inspiring radically honest discussions on the lived experience of caring, loss, grief and beyond. In 2016, Stacey left her career as a fashion academic to care for her husband, Greg, after he was diagnosed with incurable bowel cancer. He sadly died in 2021 at the age of 44. During Greg's illness, Stacey found comfort in social media pages about caring for a terminally ill person and wanted to create her own candid platform to talk about the reality of living and grieving alongside death. Stacey has used her experiences to help other people and is outspoken on these topics. She continues to encourage us all to speak more openly about taboo subjects such as grief. This is a topic that is very close to my heart, as many of you will know, and we have many connections. Indeed, even where we're recording the podcast today is pretty close to my heart, and you'll hear about that very soon. Welcome to the Stompcast. Um, thank you so much for, for, for joining me. Um, uh, we've had a lovely journey down today, actually. We, we took the car, we drove down from London, and we're Southampton, aren't we, basically? So I wondered if you could start just by letting us know, like, where are we and yeah, why, why this location? Well, this location is um, really important to me, very much to do with uh, mental health, actually. I, I originally picked somewhere else because I thought, oh, if you guys are driving down from London, I'll uh, show, you, show you the heady sights of uh, Hampshire. But then I thought, actually, there's there's a place which is way more personal to me. Um, so Southampton actually has the most green space of any city in the UK. We love facts on the Stompcast. Oh, do you? Oh, do you so like that it? That is a strong there fact. You go. You there you go, there you go. We do our health fact and part three, where oh, I read you? a fact that the team have put in, we, we react to it. But, <laughs> but I tell you what, that is a, you've started today off with a strong one. There you go. The, green, the like, greenest place, really, the, the greenest it, parks. It has so the most green space That's brilliant. per however they work it out in terms of... Like, Lots of greenness. We like greenness. Yeah, yeah. This is kind of this 
a crazy massive enormous space in the um in the city center which is really really unusual and i used to live literally just around the corner in my early 20s and at that point i suffered from a really really serious mental breakdown that nothing seemed to be working for i was on a very a big cocktail of all sorts of drugs to kind of help me with depression anxiety and and actually what i found was the most helpful thing to pull me out of that time was i set myself up with this really basic routine um where i took myself for a walk every day and i sat in the ornamental lake which is there's actually three lakes as part of it so it's not this, this one Stampton common isn't it yes oh, that's where we yeah. Are. yeah um so there's three lakes here and I would sit with my feet in the water of the ornamental lake on a pontoon and I used to make myself a little fruit salad and I would eat my fruit salad with my feet in the water and I did that every single day and it was it sounds really basic but when I was at a serious rock bottom I had been in the hospital it, things were feeling just so bleak and unmanageable and this tiny little routine that I did for myself every day really was the thing that started the movement out of that time. And so, yeah, so this is my, uh, yeah, that's really important to me for that, for that reason. And also it's been, it's a place where I've brought my kids. This is where I do my dog walks. Yeah, so it's, it's really chaptered my life. It's interesting how, um... I don't know about you, but I find this when you spend time in a place that you have been in, if, if I may say, many different states or forms in your life, like maybe real good days, maybe really some of the most awful days. I feel like places then form there's a bit of a tapestry of your life in that place, you know, yeah. whereby you know, might look at a bench, walking past a bench now to a left, or the lake to the right, you might look at the bench and go, I sat there one time when I was going through this. But it's a great, and, it may, and you could see some people go, oh, that sounds really painful, but there's almost a perhaps a catharsis in the sense that you're like, oh yeah, I was there, but I'm here now and, I, and I've endured, I'm, I'm here. I'm Absolutely. If just where we are now, the things that come to mind are, uh, if on the left here, if back through that wall is mm. an enormous cemetery mm -hmm. and it's beautiful. It's got these huge ancient um, carvings of angels. Mm. There's, there's tombs, there's all sorts. Um, and I think about that and I think about when I was younger, I remember running through the cemetery naked with a friend in, at night. <laughs> That's not and, the story I thought you were going to come out with, but I actually love you for that. Uh, and, um, and also, weirdly, oh God, this is not... You've got to tell <laughs> yeah, us no, now, I have you've to tell you, I have you're, to. In, you're um, So we, yeah, we kind of, it was this one, a thing of like, let's run free through a cemetery yeah, yeah, yeah. under the, the moonlight. Like, yeah. And then we got dressed and... Um, we decided to like we sat down and we it was so early late in the morning we fell asleep i can't explain to you how terrifying it is to wake up in a graveyard uh, i i can i don't know it's one of those things that you don't have to experience to imagine you know honestly <laughs> it uh, yeah i i mean it is it, it, it feels like, like it is when you wake up in the morning you're like where am i again I know you've gone on a holiday and you've been yeah, on that i don't recognize this room where am i like Oh, whoa. Yeah, oh, it's a horror film. And then you like, oh, oh, I'm actually, yeah, what I'm, has happened? How, I'm in a cemetery. How, I actually, here's a story, this is a random one. I um, was out in uh, Pamplona many years ago, my friends. This is back when I was at uni, a long time ago, over a decade ago. And um, we were, we did a 
trip where we went from um, north of France along the coast down through the Pyrenees Mountains, which are beautiful, down into Spain um, and into Pamplona. And basically they had the Pamplona, the festival there, and it was a big party and loads of sangria. And anyway, me and my friend, we woke up in a building site in the morning in the kind of just we climbed over a fence because we got lost from where we were staying and just fell asleep the other side of the fence i can tell you it was quite a shock waking up oh on a building site God. uh the next morning we were completely lost um, <laughs> thankfully we made it back to where we were supposed to be fine but i tell you what that immediate waking up of like yes it's yeah terrifying terrifying not safe don't recommend do not try yeah. that at home so yeah so this uh it's you're right it's this kind of whole landscape mm. is peppered with moments of my life that really go back to like my well I uh, being a kid I grew I come from Southampton I did move away but then I came back and so I remember they used to have on the actual main piece of the common the big hot air balloon festival mm. and there was hundreds and hundreds of hot air balloons all going off at once and you used to chase around the city and they would come down so you, they could talk to you from the balloons and that, yeah, and then all the way to now where like I often walk my dog this route and it's a time for me to cry as well. I, I kind of, I use it as quite a meditative mm. space to think about things and it's a, it's a chance just to maybe have some tears. And that, those time, that time is really important in a place yeah. that you feel safe. Um, we have many things that I guess in like there's many intersections I think of our lives although we've, we've maybe it's not obvious in, in in some ways but I think there's a lot of commonalities that, that we have yeah and perhaps experiences. we really, we really um, have and I tell you one odd thing it's odd how the world works we well first of all so my brother Cleo died of by suicide about three years ago it's coming up as we record this you know in six days yeah. time is the anniversary now, Clear was 19 at the time, and he had a place at medical school, and he was supposed to go to medical school. Now, where do you think the medical school was that he was due to go to? It was Southampton. Southampton. Um, so we have, it's, there's many things that if you look at it and go, and I actually only just remembered that as we were about to record, and I went, where was Clear really? going to med school? He had a place at Southampton oh, Medical School. Um, and, you know, three years, it feels in some ways like it was yesterday. Yeah. Some ways it's kind of like 300 years ago. Yeah, now I know that grief is a topic you talk about a lot across many different platforms. You, you know, you're, you're a seasoned podcaster. <laughs> um, and you know, you are, I think, brilliantly honest about the experiences you've had. So I'd, like, I'd, I'd ask you to, well, first of all, I'd like to talk to you about your, your husband, talk about Greg. Um, but I first of all would like to ask you what kind of person he was and who he was because I think a lot of the time like with my brother people will say oh you lost your brother to suicide he died and what was that like but often we miss the bit of talking about the person and I think that's really important so first of all I'd like to just ask you yeah just to just to share about this person that was so important to you oh well do you know what thank you for asking that because you're so right it becomes I don't know if you felt like this about your brother but it becomes about the death yes and also the reason why they died. Mm. So obviously, well, we're different in that Greg died of cancer, but it becomes about cancer. Mm. It becomes about talking about what, when he was diagnosed, how it affected him, why did he get cancer in the first place? So it's almost like those, he was ill for five years. Mm. So it's almost like those five years just defined his whole life and he was diagnosed at 39 um, and he yeah he wasn't he wasn't that um, so Greg was 
I think the first thing I have to say is that he was a musician. He was a singer and guitarist in the band Delays, um, who had released four albums. Uh, he was a fine artist. He was a painter and uh, an illustrator. Um, during his illness, he actually had an ex he had a joint exhibition with Da Vinci. <laughs> Pretty impressive. Which is, is a pretty big, like, bucket listing <laughs> yeah, ticked off. Yeah, I'd say that's a pretty big one. Um, yeah. He was he was a published poet. He he's one of those he was one of those people who was I often refer to him as sickeningly talented. Yeah. You know when pe some people just pick something up and they're like, yeah. oh, I'll just quickly pick up this yeah. guitar and suddenly I can play it. He was that person. Well, if from a distance, uh, my understanding of who he is who he was as an ultra creator, such a all-round creative person. Do, do you think it's part of people that they just, you meet some people and they just seem to, you could put them in a room with a load of random objects and they create something from it. It'd be something yeah. that they create, that yeah. somebody Greg, to see the world in a different way almost. Absolutely. Greg, Greg was very different to anyone I've ever met. And people say that a lot, especially when someone's died. Yeah, I know. It's I know, like, ah, oh, they, um, they're always, they were they're so always holier than now and they're so exactly. angelic. It's like, no, clear as a pain in the backside yeah. half the time, listen, isn't it? Yeah. <laughs> That's not pain, but, they, but it's important though to remember the things that made them special, good and bad, because that's yeah. what makes them unique, isn't it? Yeah, and real, yeah. it's not even just about being a great person. It's, I don't want to feel that Greg was just an incredible person. He was this and he was that. I want to feel like he was real. I want to feel like he was here and a person with me. But yeah, he, he was all those, he was all those kind of crazy creative things. But he was also like, I don't know, those weren't the things that I really loved about him. I thought he was the funniest person I've ever met. He was like, oh God, this, his mind was so sharp. So, he's so quick witted, so obscure, knew every single obscure kind of pop culture reference there was going. Handy in a quiz. Oh, oh God, no, do you know what? We used to do this quiz with um, a group of my friends, actually, and we, we, um, it ended with, if people couldn't be on Greg's team, they didn't want to play. Really? Be because actually they were like, what's the point? What's the point? I'm, do you know what? I am absolutely <laughs> awful at quizzes. I don't know about you, but I'm so bad. I was on, I went on um, the Michael McIntyre's like big wheel thing and oh, came like very you? much last. I was terrible. I was really awful. I was like god awful. No, like, terrible. I, I feel like I've probably. Well, no, it's a memory thing, which yeah. I think is an ADHD thing. Yeah, yeah. And also in a in a um, situation like that, too much pressure, my mind will go blank. Yeah, I I so odd because I um. We really, we're doing an ADHD thing. We're going yeah. such a tangent. How are we on? But I, I, I find oddly that when I'm in A and E and I'm under pressure, that kind of pressure, I think of all the stuff. Yeah. It's when yeah, people yeah, stand yeah. there and say, Alex, when was what's my date of birth? <laughs> or Alex, what's the? Do you remember who the prime minister was six years yeah. ago? I'm like, the brain yeah. just like shuts down. I'm like, yeah. I know this. Where yeah. have you gone, information? So he, he really was a handy person to have on the old team then. So you'd be yeah. like, right, yeah. right, you're all coming with me. Everyone else, you can go on the other side. Absolutely. Um, yeah, so he, he was just a great person. He was so interesting. He was really interested in politics. He believed so deeply about fairness and justice mm. for people. How did you meet? <laughs> we met through, I was friends for a long time with his brother. And I went for lunch with him one day and his brother said, oh, my brother's just um, broke up with his girlfriend. 
And I was like, oh my God, why do, I don't want to, I don't, you're trying to set me up. I don't want to meet someone who's just broke up with their girlfriend. That's a terrible idea. Um, and he put his phone number, he took my phone and put Greg's number into my phone, which I ignored. And then one day I went to see a friend. She was late, so I had to sit on her doorstep for ages. I was just thumbing through my phone and I just saw his number. And I don't know, it was uh, just a really impulsive thing. I just messaged him. Something really, really innocuous and I hate the music. <laughs> yeah, from a total strange number. God, what an antagonistic start to a relationship. Um, he was, I found out later, he did reply and it was a very nice reply. And then I, do you know what, I was, uh, and I've said this to him as well, I was quite, bo I was bored. So I was like, oh yeah, I'll just chat to this person. Yeah. And um, he was furious. I didn't know any of this, but he had then phoned Aaron, his brother, going, what the fuck have you done? Why are you giving my number to strangers? Um, he says, listen, it's in your best interest. Yeah. Well, yeah. And then we just started chatting <laughs> and then we spoke on the phone and then we moved to, uh, yeah. And then we met each other in person. Yeah. And it kind of, I was really, I was really anti it as an idea. Cause I just thought, do I want to go out with a singer in a band? What would the kind of, um, we all have preconceptions of scenarios and probably particularly with things like that, because like, oh my God, like, this like cool guy, he's like in a band. Were you worried about that? Was that all you kind of um, go with the flow and see what happens? Uh, a little, uh, well, the thing is you only had to speak to Greg for like literally two minutes to realize that he was not like a very st stereotypical yeah. front man of an indie band. Yeah, yeah, yeah. He was, um, he'd probably quote some kind of philosophical text to you within that two minutes um he didn't drink he didn't take drugs he was um he was just he loved music he, the sounds oh of it, really. he was he yeah absolutely he absolutely loved music, loved music and art and it's literature creating, yeah, just... and um he a really really great snapshot of who he was as a person is there is a picture of him when they played at top of the pops in the green room he sat in the corner on his own with headphones on um reading a book called A Thousand Books You Should Read Before You Die. That's the most random thing I think you read at that moment when you're like top of the was, box. It's like... The thing is, he, do you know what? We always said that I would have been a better pop star than him. That's because hilarious. I was like, I mean, you I have can't... the pink hair, you've got the cool outfit, well, like, you're ready to go. Thank you, you are Alex, for, it. for acknowledging the my... The first thing I said, I was like, she is cool, man. <laughs> she is cool. Exactly. Well, you can see the potential I would Listen, have in the music yeah. industry if I'm... only I could sing, <laughs> that, play any kind of instrument. Of, like, singing and, like, you know, I know, you can learn that I, stuff, exactly, it's fine. Exactly, but I've got the right attitude. Exactly. Yeah, so Greg was always like, oh, I'm just going just gonna to chill out here with a cup of tea. And I'd always be like, why are we not, like making more of this yeah he was um do you think that was part of him focusing <laughs> in for what he had to do is that kind of like the, do you think that was act do you think that was an yeah, active mindfulness anno annoyingly yes annoying yeah. for me yes um there's kind of a lot of the um this is again sorry tangents but like there's so many like sports people now and like musicians as well and like even um the wimbledon final was obviously just just yesterday and like a lot of these players and things now they'll do stuff that'll go and build like jenga blocks or they'll do like other little really? games and things like that in, before they go and play to distract their minds to kind of practice really active mindfulness which is not oh. what you'd imagine people to do beforehand like just kind of shut out everything so that they clear yeah i clear think their minds. i think I, I got used to that pretty quickly with greg there, yeah, especially when he was thing. on he was that's on tour thing. it was like don't speak to him don't bother speaking to him because he doesn't want to like he's just got to be yeah. in his brain 
what was the moment where like right, he's got over the fact that it's like fine um <laughs> this person's got my number i'm mad at you my brother like what when was it like he's like okay fine this is actually a good happening oh do you know what I, I actually do know exactly when this was i think we'd been out for a drink a couple of times i went to his house and the first thing i said when i walked in was oh wow you've got the wrestlemania box set that's so cool and he was like you like you like wrestling and i was like oh i used to be really into it when i was a kid i went to SummerSlam at wembley that's actually pretty cool and he was like what this is like he was shocked and we kind of bonded over that and i think at that point he was like okay this this person's cool maybe she's maybe she's all right that's so funny (laughs) do you do believe in as i listen to you there do you think do you believe in fate Oh, God. This is very deep. Listen to Stompcast. We're walking in beautiful scenery right oh, now. Birds round um, is calm and peaceful. We're doing the proper topics here. Yeah, the real The, the real, real stuff. We're going from quizzes to <laughs> fate. <laughs> Do I believe in it? Um, I, I can't help belie- but believe in something that when some things happen, you're like, oh, yeah, wow, that was... Um, that all feels connected. Like, a, a chain of events might feel connected. But, um, like, me and Greg had this conversation quite a lot about, like, the idea of soulmates. And I would say, well, we both kind of felt the same. We're like, it's a beautiful idea, but actually, there's probably loads of people we could have a great life with. And also, like, if you're hooked on this idea of a soulmate, what if they were born in 1752? Yeah, or in Australia. Yes. Yes. You don't even have to change the exactly. time. Exactly. Just be born, or even on the other side of London. Yeah, exactly. And <laughs> and bizarrely, we actually had one of these conversations a couple of days before he was diagnosed with terminal cancer, where I had said, it's, it feels ridiculous now, it's almost like the beginning of a film, where I then said, also, what if your person dies? Mm. Like, what happens then? What, wow. that's and it, that was that's days it. before. It was literally about two it's days before. things happen, isn't it? Yeah. Um, yeah, because we were saying, if that's what you believe, then you're it's saying quite, that... It's quite a normal conversation to have, actually. People think, oh, God, but you, you, you kind of have those convos with people, don't you? It's like, what if I'd have moved there? Or what if I'd have not gone yeah, out that night and not you, seen you? Or whatever. But it's, do you know what? It is, it is a real turning point in life, I think, when, mm. you know, there's hypothetical situations that you would talk about of, like, mm. if, like, your mum died and your dad was still alive, would you want your dad to go and find someone, like, a different partner? Or how would you feel about it? Or who would look after your children if you died? Who would you nominate to take them in as guardians? All these hypothetical situations. When it actually becomes an actual reality, mm. it is such a different thing. It is. What do you mean by that? So you, you found out four days later you have this news that is earth shattering. I don't know. I, yeah, I, I don't even, I, I don't, I don't, obviously don't have a clue what it's like, but even from just imagining that conversation and that news for a few days later. It yeah, was he, was, um, he was diagnosed as terminal, literally, as we went into hospital. He had some really bad he'd, stomach pains. Mm. He'd been suffering for years. He'd been seeing people off and on. They said he had IBS. They even said things to him like, oh, you'd be really unlucky to have bowel cancer at your age. And then, then yeah. he turned up at A&E. So they were like, mm, yeah, OK, this isn't, this isn't right had some scans, bowel cancer that had already spread to his lungs. Um, yeah, and we were told on our, daughter, our second daughter's first birthday. <sighs> so it was a bit, God. it was yeah, just, geez. it was like this real 
dichotomy of life and death of like oh here's our new daughter who's just been who was born a year ago and now you're going to die it it was a very surreal very very surreal and also do you know that whole period was when um uh when donald trump was elected yeah and i remember i'd on the night that it had uh, the night that it all come out about the diagnosis when i'd i'd gone to stay with my parents and i actually slept in the same bed as them mm. in between them like like a kid mm -hmm. um because it does shock like, like oh i went i back. went into absolute yeah. shock i was it was like i'd been put in a fr frozen river i was shaking my teeth mm. were chattering and I managed, I did manage to go to sleep. And when I woke up the next morning, there was um, my dad's radio. They'd obviously got up. My dad's radio was on. And um, Don't Fear the Reaper by um, Blue Oyster Cult was on the radio. And it was announcing that Donald Trump had been elected as president. Mm. And I woke, it was, one, it was like waking up in the graveyard mm. of like waking up going, what? Yeah. So Greg's gonna die and Donald Trump is president. It was all so weird that it felt unreal. It's odd how certain things happen and you just kind of like, you look around and think, how is this even? And you, as you um, said about that, like I found out that uh, Clear had passed away while I was out with my friends and probably the first time you're we allowed to sit down and have food with people. It was the sunniest, bluest, warmest, loveliest day. Obviously it was oh. in July. And you have this thing of like, how can these two things exist together at the same time? Like, yeah. and you know, my my Cleo died one day, and my best friend's father died the next, <gasps> and you no. just like all these things were just like, no, you know, it, it, it's odd how life. I don't know. It's just so odd, isn't it? How sometimes you can't explain. And, I, and the reason I asked about fate is that. It's interesting because people often use the word fate to describe scenarios that are often like nostalgic or romanticized, like mm. fate that we've met. But if you believe in fate, you must, good fate, you must believe in the opposite. And I think that's almost, and I, and I often don't delve into that too much because I also don't <laughs> I want to think, oh, it was a fate that my brother died, you know? Like, yeah, do you know what I mean? I don't know. It's it, really yeah, hard to, you uh, have to have the both sides. You can't shoot. It's like superstition. You can't be like, I'm superstitious about walking under ladders, but I, all the other 800 different times of superstition, I don't believe in. Yeah. You're kind of with it or not, aren't you? Yeah, I absolutely, I, I totally get that. And I think I, I've always felt that me and Greg have always had, individually and collectively together, a really good life. There's a lot of really good things that have happened to us. And yeah, we've worked really, really hard for different things that we've wanted to do. And part of that is like a belief mm -hmm. of like, well, I believe that good things can happen to me. I, I. I welcome that. I, I believe that I'm that that is in is in my potential. Mm. And we had said after he was diagnosed that if you think that, you do have to think the opposite. So there's a lot of people that I have known in the cancer community who have very actively kind of had a why me, why us feeling. And I and I totally get that. But I think we were always like, well, why not? I mean, the thing is, is when you start going into that, you also think, well, if not me, who? Yeah. Isn't it? It's kind of like, yeah. you wouldn't yeah, wish yeah, it yeah. on anyone else. It's such an odd, it's an odd thing to yeah, think, just but you as, wouldn't, would you? Like, yeah, exactly. It's almost like it's, it's for us to bear now, isn't it, almost? Yeah. And I feel, and I, I know cancer is a different thing, but I definitely found that I, I still to this day feel like I, I kind of play things back in my head, like mm. in the past years and go, so when did this start? 
So can I pinpoint the time when, when was the first moment Greg said to me, oh, I've got a pain. Mm. Like, and thinking, could I, could there have been any different scenario that could have happened? Do you get stuck with what ifs? No, no, because I think I quickly realise that it's all futile. Yeah. It's absolutely futile. And I think I've definitely found myself maybe delving a bit more into that, maybe because my girls are having a really hard time at the moment with grief and mental health stuff. Because they're both, both your girls are young, aren't they? Yeah, they were. Um, so Dali, my eldest daughter, is nine and she was seven when Greg died and Bay is now seven and she so was five. Young. So it's, it's so young. And forgive me, he died in 2021. When was he diagnosed? 2016. 2016 is about, I thought it was about four or five years. So it was, it's yeah. also kind of the, the period of growing up with that knowledge as well, wasn't it? And, yeah, and, and they knew, and... I mean, they, they knew bits and pieces. Cause obviously, I mean, I was still breastfeeding Bay mm. when, we, when we found out. Mm. So they really were proper babies. Mm -hmm. And obviously we had to explain things like, why was daddy always asleep? Why did we have to go to hospital so often? What was the pump that he was attached to when he got back? Mm -hmm. What's all the medicine for? Um, but I think when it was coming to the end and we had to tell them that Greg was going to die very, very soon, I think that Greg was the one that actually said the words, but I saw something in my eldest daughter's eyes change in that moment. And I feel like, and that's, that's the thing of like, what if? Yeah. What if we never had to say that to her? What kind, like, how would she feel about the world? Would she just feel safer mm. in, in, her place in the world would she yeah. not be so scared that i'm going to die that bad things are going to happen mm. because that's her experience well first of all obviously i'm so sorry that everything that you that, that you went that you went through i guess and i say this with almost almost the sense i've got no business to say it in a way but obviously i'm going to say it and see what you think say in, it, that <laughs> the, the what i've begun to realize and i worked when i began i, I very much realized you know from my own experiences in life and childhood, definitely working in A&E, um, definitely working the pandemic, and definitely from my own experiences with clear is that a, a life without suffering is impossible. Yeah. And the avoidance of suffering is gonna definitely lead to a lot of pain. And um, that is as true with things like heartbreak and like, should I ever be vulnerable and risk having my heart broken as anything else, you know? It's, I, I, you know, I've, I'll be honest, I've diagnosed many people with cancer in A&E, some young, some old. And oh, I've, uh, God, I've had, wow. Uh, it's so in it's really interesting to hear that. So I'll, I'll share I'll share this story with you. And, and um, as I say, if, if it is triggering, please no, stop it, me. No, honestly, it, it won't be. It um, won't be. I'll pick this up in part two, uh, everyone else. This has been uh, such a powerful part one. And uh, I know that this may well be triggering for people. It might bring up, every, I think, most people have experienced grief in some form. So, you know, I hope that this has been a helpful uh, discussion. And, you know, as always, if you want support, we'll put some links towards um, grief bereavement services um, down below and charity networks and things that can support people. Um, and I'll see you all in part two. See you soon. If you would like to learn more about mental fitness, and that includes dealing with and growing through grief, 
then do get a copy of my book, The Mind Manual. And if you have a child that is experiencing difficult times or you've got a child who you want to help and support with their mental health and mental fitness, A Better Day won Children's Book of the Year this year, which I'm very proud of and I believe it can really, really help a lot of young people. So do get a copy. Thank you. Hold up. What was that? Boring. No flavor. That was as bad as those leftovers you ate all week. Kiki Palmer here. And it's time to say hello to something fresh and guilt-free. Hello, fresh. Jazz up dinner with pecan-crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Now that's music to my mouth. Hello, fresh. Let's get this dinner party started. Discover all the delicious possibilities at HelloFresh.com. Mm. 